Welcome back to the Building Buffalo podcast. Today I'm here with Kyle Simonelli, who moved back to Buffalo from New York City to become president of Simonelli Real Estate Corporation. Hello, Kyle. How are you today? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, so you're relatively new back to Buffalo. Absolutely. I uh, moved back uh, 2019, just in time for the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, in, in your way, you were you were in New York for, what, 20 years? Yeah, I went, I uh, graduated um, high school in, in Buffalo in 2000, went to Fordham University up in the Bronx, um, then in 2000, and uh, decided to um, stay for 19 years. And yeah, that's... You know, a lot's going on in that time frame in between, but here I am. I came back. And when you came back, did you know that you were gonna you were uh, in line to become president of Simonelli Real Estate Corporation? Towards the end of my uh, tenure in New York, um, you know, the the ideas and the plan started to uh, started to, to make its way, and the conversation started happening. But there was by no means was it always a certainty that I was going to come back to Buffalo. I really liked New York. Um, you know, I had a, a really nice career there. I stayed in the same job my entire time at a, you know, really built a strong network. And, and that um, was, that was with Newmark, that right? Was with Newmark, correct. So, um, you know, it was, uh, there was a point where I thought I could make a life here, but then towards this, I started getting older and New York started wearing on me a little bit. Um, and I started thinking about where I could raise a family and, and, you know, really I had a fantastic childhood in Buffalo. So, um, you know, made the decision towards the end of my career in New York that it was time to go home and, you know, work with the family business, raise a family here and hopefully take my skills and help improve the city. And, and talking about Newmark, um, when you came back, is there now some sort of an alliance between Simonelli and, and Newmark or is that? Yeah. So, um, when I, um, when I had told, uh, CEO of Newmark, Barry Gosson, that I was leaving, um, I had asked him, you know, I originally, we, we had conversations before about Buffalo um, when I was working for him, and he didn't really have much of an interest in being in the region at that time. Um, but when I sold it at, I would be running the office and I would be, um, it was a way to keep me in the family and, and really keep, you know, me doing my things with the new market. It was a little more attractive to him. So we um, shook hands on that as I was leaving in 2019 and then put the deal together during uh, the pandemic of 2020, um, forming Newmark Simonelli, which is one of the few affiliates left uh, that Newmark has in their portfolio. Oh, that's pretty, that's interesting. Um, what does this, uh, what does this bring to the table for Buffalo? So, you know, primarily the brokerage shop within Simonelli um, in, its, in its existence, uh, its primary um, responsibility was to keep the family portfolio full. So it was sort of a one trick pony. Um, Newmark brings numerous other resources to the table. Now that we're on multiple sides of deals, we ha- we can do a lot of consulting. Um, we have, you know, healthcare consulting. We have just so many different arms of the Newmark network that now bring def- different potential for revenue streams into Simonelli. So um, we've uh, we've taken our existing brokers with the Simonelli, we've added on to that, and we're really just focused on business development with uh, through many different angles, not just rep- you know filling our buildings and so forth. So it's uh, you know it's not you're, you're launching a brokerage shop in two thousand, um, which is probably the worst three to four years in the office environment in my entire career. But with that even said, we've had a lot of successes, and it's been uh, it's been a fun ride so far. Okay. And, and now your dad, Paul, uh, he's been on one of our podcasts before. He is now a CEO of Simonelli. Correct. Uh, uh, yeah. So, uh, so that's great. So he's still active he's in, still in active. the company. Yeah. So you will, uh, he's, he's an active. Not guy. retiring, huh? Yeah, well, you, you have that discussion with him. Yeah. I, I, I'll leave that one to you. <laughs> um, 
Okay, so you're a part of a new generation of young developers in Buffalo. Um, uh, you've come together to help support downtown, and there's a group now called the Downtown Roundtable. Is that correct? Downtown. It's called uh, Downtown Twenty Thirty. We actually rebranded it. Okay. We took away Roundtable. We put in the Twenty Thirty. Thought it made a little more um, sense for what we're looking to achieve. Okay. Um, and can you just tell me a little bit about who's in that group? Absolutely. So, um, you know, one of the things, you know, taking a step back that made me feel comfortable in moving back to Buffalo was the young, I, I really felt that there was a great group of young executives here that either had grew up here and became influential or had moved back similarly to myself. So, um, w- when I moved back and, and when I started to feel some of the frustrations around lack of change, I, I, I realized I was, I had a, a, a big audience of, of people that felt the same way as myself. So, you know, when I think about, um, you know, Colleen Heidinger from 43 North, Nick from Odoo, um, you know, it's just a, a wide range of executives along the lines that are where, where they come back here, they, they live downtown or they work downtown and they really want to see the same change as I do. So we were aligned. Um, and then we really, we, we met up with Dan Leonard, who really has a economic development and, and master planning expertise. And, and he was he was looking to utilize NAOP to to um, to really make some more influence on the improvement within the CBD. Um, and I met with Dan. I said, you know, Dan, I, I think it'd be more influential if we actually had the majority of this group being executives that are not in the real estate industry. And they're actually executives that are leading companies that are growing in the central business district because they're going to be able to tell us what their employees and what their recruits want. And that's going to be more impactful than a bunch of um, real estate people who obviously have their own vendettas. Have you seen, since this group is formed, have you seen any sort of uh, kind of tangible change? Any, any sort of like, I mean, you guys obviously get, get together and talk and, and, and talk about, you know, the things that need to get done in Buffalo. Um, is it something that uh, we're going to start see, hearing from this group more and more? Absolutely. We've had numerous uh, meetings with the mayor. We've had numerous meetings with uh, Brennan Mahaffey, uh, the police commissioner, um, and so forth. Um, I can tell you, um, I, th- I believe that we were we were incredibly influential in uh, in saving Bray Miller. Um, we were able to come up with close to a hundred um, letters from um, businesses within the central business district uh, supporting um, having a market. So I think that was really our first uh, uh, the first time we were really to show our, our strength. But beyond that, I, I I actually see a lot of improvement with how uh, downtown's being policed based on some of our uh, our feedback given really? to the police commissioner. Hmm. Um, you're seeing more. Um, more police on foot, which is a request that we have made. We really felt that if we're going to push walkability in, in downtown, we shouldn't be seeing all of our police force um, in SUVs. So that's something that I've, I've noticed. Um, you know, the, there's been times uh, around three, four o'clock in Fountain Plaza where it can get pretty active, and that's been policed considerably better since our feedback. Um, I, I think of the underpass next to Bray Miller that was problematic, which is, has been vastly improved. So um, there's been some immediate impact there. And uh, like the Bray Miller case study as well, I think uh, was, uh, you know, we had a big, strong influence behind that. What makes a great city? In today's day and age, walkability. Mm-hmm. Walkability. Yeah, your dad's on the same page with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how do we improve that in downtown? I mean, I know some of the things that you just mentioned, which are, are pretty are very important. But what are what are a couple of other ideas that you're not that you've you've, you've lived in, in New York, you've yeah. traveled, yeah, you I know? Walked to I walked to my my job for 16 years in New York. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, so um, it, it's you know walkability was a big part of my life. Obviously, two completely different worlds. But you know, I can understand why Buffalo historically has had a reliance on parking because. Buffalo has, in most of most of its existence, been competing with the suburbs. So you know, mm-hmm. if you're going to compete with Amherst, you know the biggest thing is parking. 
I don't think that's the case anymore. We're now competing with other cities for talent. So we really have to change our mindset and, and move away from our reliance on parking. And the more we can even make people just park and walk a few blocks, the more that will help our retail environment. And then the trickle down effect is, is immense. And um, you know, if you look at, we are so privileged to have three to four companies that are still hiring at a rapid rate in downtown Buffalo. But the people that are hiring, they want a walkable, livable downtown. Most of these people don't want cars. They want reliable public transportation, they want vibrant retail, and they want multifamily in the Central Business District. And as a community, I don't think we're bringing those things um, to the forefront fast enough. And my worry is that we're going to miss the opportunity to accommodate a lot of these hires that are going to M&T Bank Tech or Odoo or the 43 North companies or ACV or whatever it may be. Um, and you know, we really, I really want I'd like to see the city make more stronger steps towards accommodating those type of people. Okay. Um, <clears throat> getting back to uh, parking, Buffalo has got a lot of uh, surface lots uh, downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we're trying to get more people uh, to live downtown. It's always great to see a development, a mixed-use development, where, yeah. you know, you get the retail and you get uh, more residential. Um, but what is it going to take to see some of those uh, surface lots built upon? And one of the things that I want to suggest or talk about is having uh, to tax the surface lots, Um like stronger, higher taxes on the surface lots. You've seen it in other cities. Is yeah. that something that would work here in Buffalo? Potentially, and, and if it, potentially, but I, I think even more so, you know, uh, some more creative rezoning, um, some more creative incentives around, you know, right now you can't make market rate housing work. Or it didn't work in 2019, pre-pandemic with 3% rates, you know, coming up out of a, uh, out of a parking lot. Mm-hmm. It, it, how do you make it work now? And, and we really need to drive the need, there, there's a need for market rate housing. And we need, we need creative political leadership to help steer that development in the right way. You know, I think to, you know, when we developed 201 Allocate, affordable housing, we didn't have a choice. The only thing we, that penciled was affordable housing. And that was just based on where the zoning was, where the incentives were. We were sort of forced into that into that into that project where it you know when you really look at pure economic development affordable housing's a piece that comes either in the middle or the end of the process it doesn't come in the beginning mm-hmm. and um, i think poor policy drove us to that decision um and ultimately it, it's 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 not working out it, it's been it's a fantastic project it's 100 percent full but it's not working out exactly how what we would want we would have wanted so what is the uh, what's what needs to change uh, in that regard? Um, I know you you know changing the pop, but I mean, how do we? It's all great to say it, but like, what's the first step towards enacting it? So that's when you, you sort of get into policy and so forth, which is a little bit over my head. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, I do think a more um, some more forward thinking uh, policy out of our out of our local government, which is going to um, drive developers to look at 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 these surface lots as market rate. Mm-hmm. And so and when that's through zoning and that's through driving some incentives towards market rate housing. Nice. Um, what are you most excited about in 2024? Oh, man, a, 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 a unfreezing of the capital markets, some certainty, um, the ability to underwrite deals and understand what the end of the year is going to look like. You know, it's the killer in our business isn't high interest rates. It's not 
it's not you know uh, you know it's not terrible fundamentals and so forth it's uncertainty it's not being able to project what nine months looks like what 18 months looks like so just having a better uh sort of uh, view of, of what the rest of the year looks like so we can actually get some projects off the ground we can actually um, sell some of our um, our, our we have some some really you know, some assets that are doing very well that we haven't been able to sell because the capital markets have been frozen so when you sort of stop that churn and you're not buying and you're not selling you're just you're relying purely on the recurring income from the assets and so forth and we really need to be able to get into a cycle more where we're buying and selling um, what projects are you working on in Buffalo right now? We are uh, just finishing off uh, the, in terms of development, the, yep. um, the Roswell Medical Center be set behind um, Tony Walker Center, which, uh, you know, is a, a great project for, for the community. Uh, another medical project, you know, something we've been very good at over the years. Um, 716 Health, again, out in Amherst, a 180,000 foot medical building, um, is, uh, is literally getting, um, tenants are moving in, some are in, some are moving in in the next few months. Um, so we're excited about that. We have, uh, uh, you know, we're back into acquisition mode, um, which is good. We're, we're finally looking at Western New York and some future developments, whether that's around some conversions we're looking at, um, which I can't name right now because they're still in preliminary uh, phases, but uh, looking at some residential conversions, looking at some other um, industrial developments uh, throughout the region. Um, that's, uh, we, we've uh, had a big, uh, we looked at industrial pretty actively um, post pandemic, um, then the fundamentals slowed a little bit. Interest rates went up, demand went down, and it slowed our our, our it slowed our our desire to take on industrial projects. But we feel that's going to come back over the next you know nine to twelve months. Mm-hmm. Um, your company has worked with uh, Douglas Jamal. Mm-hmm. Uh, how how's that experience been? Oh, fantastic! Douglas is um, you know I, I moved back at the same time that Douglas really. Um, got active within Seneca One. So um, I had at the time been representing a couple of big tenants um, through Newmark and so forth in their relocation. And I got to know Douglas because we had brought them through um, Seneca One and we hit it off. And that's ultimately how we ended up leasing and managing the property for them, him in the beginning. Um, he's really one of the most, one of the more creative developers I've ever been around. You know, he can look at a, a certain project and see things that others can't. And it's a, it's a, it's a really a, a true skill. And, and I'm, you know, we're, we're, proud to have him stumble upon Buffalo and really put a lot of his time and effort here. How do we attract a couple more uh, Douglas Jamals to Buffalo? <laughs> That's a good question. We, we've, we, I feel like we've been asking that question for a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, we had some, we had some players from Toronto here for a while that are already leaving. Um, but I, I think it goes back to, um, you know, some of the things I said earlier about creating that central business district that that's attractive to, um, if, you, if you're attracting the types of companies um, that we have attracted here, ultimately that should lead to attracting some type of out-of-town developers, but it hasn't. Um, and and I, again, I think that goes back to um, some bad policy, um, some, some mistakes that we've made here. Um, it's, uh, we've got a lot of red tape to get through. You know, I, I think of some development projects. I mean, you look at the odd. I mean, the odd was, was vacated in 97, what demolished it 10 years later. What do we have to show down there? We have a, a carousel and a children's museum. I mean, there's been cities that have been built in that time frame. So when <laughs> outside developers look at examples like that, what's going to attract them to come here? There, it's already hard enough to make returns on these developments. When you couple that with longer time frames and more red tape, they're just going to go to the next city. Yeah.
When, when the city looks uh, at uh, sending out an RFP, for example, a uh, request for a proposal, uh, and, and, they, and they get some projects hardly get any interest, uh, and then other projects get a, a lot of interest, um, it seems that, you know, once again, as you were talking about just now, uh, projects seem to take forever in Buffalo. Uh, how do we fix that? Um, when they do an RFP, shouldn't part of the RFP be a, a timeline yes. where they actually have to commit to when a shovel gets in the ground uh, and then when the project completion occurs? Uh, because it seems that a lot of developers just sit on projects. They'll pick up a project just to sit on a project to know that they have it in their back pocket uh, for whatever reason. I wish I had the answer to that question because it's one I probably ask at least once a day. You know, that, that's been the main goal for myself and within the roundtable or the uh, downtown 2030 club was really to gain an understanding as to why historically over the last 10 years and, and 10, 15 years, these projects have taken so much longer than other cities. Um, and I haven't been able to get to really figure out why. What I, what I have a hard time not correlating is when you look at, and again, this is not a knock on anyone. I know everyone has their hearts in the right place, but when you look at some of the main um, government uh, positions, some of the main private sector positions, some of the main economic development sectors, and you have sort of the same key players that have been in these positions for decades. And it's just really hard for me not to correlate the lack of change and the slow pace with the lack of change at certain positions and in certain industries and agencies and so forth. I mean, there's there's certain things, I, and I've been gone for 20 years, I come back and I'm like, wait, that person's still there? They were there when I left in 99. And um, again, you know, everyone's trying their best, but when you don't, you're doing the same thing over and over again with the same result. That's the definition of insanity. That is for sure. <laughs> um, if you were to basically have a magic wand, uh, and, uh, and, and could do something, uh, in 2024, what would it be? Um, be able to, um, take on the first real, um, commercial to, to residential conversion in, in Western New York, which is a, you know, it's a, it's a theme and it, it's a, these, these projects are going on all over the country right now. So, you know, we'd really like to be one of the first that can make that happen here. I think, I think conversion of, of, of buildings that are inadequate downtown right now is key. We can't just continue to look at these mothball products. They need to be cut. We need density. We need to use them to bring density downtown. Um, it's, it's, it's just the biggest problem we have to solve right now without density, nothing else works. So, you know, to be able to get one of those projects off the ground next year, I think would be a huge accomplishment for us. Yeah. You know, I've talked to your dad a lot about, uh, about main street and your offices are, are along main street. Uh, and sometimes he he'll say that, uh, on certain days there's, there, you don't see many people down on main street, uh, compared to other cities, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we get is like, what's the status of main street? Because obviously main streets are, are, our spine. Uh, it connects the waterfront, medical campus, uh, Canisius, yep. uh, you know, the whole thing. Like, and, and you would think that would just be a, such a no-brainer corridor that I, everything could play off of. Like, what, is your, what are your thoughts on Main Street? Again, it goes back to the word density. Mm-hmm. We don't have enough people living downtown. Um, and the ones that come down for work, they typically park in the parking garage and then get in their garage and go back out to the suburbs. And that is never going to do anything to improve um, downtown and Main Street and, and give a reason for retailers to fill those vacant, um, the, the vacant storefronts. Um, so it, it all goes back to how do we bring more people downtown? That also goes to our, our you know, think places like, you know, our, our, 
I'll use Buffalo Place for an example. You know, Buffalo Place, it, it's, it's been over the years been very good at programming and, and find, giving reasons for people to stay downtown or come downtown and so forth. Well, we need more out of agencies like that because let's be real. I mean, even the, even the offices that are open, there's only people coming three days a week now instead of five at most. So we have like four days a week we have to solve for with how do we get people to want to be downtown so we need more events that going on down there more programming more creativity we need it safer we need more active pocket parks we need more biking scooters walkability i mean these i'm not reinventing the wheel here you know go to cleveland milwaukee even what syracuse has done you know over the past 10 years i mean we what what boggles my mind sometimes it's like we're not why can't we just copy some of our sister cities? I mean, we're, no one needs to come up with solutions here. They're happening everywhere. And we just, for some reason, we can't get it together in, in some of those instances. And I'm not, we've had a lot of wins. I'm not taking anything right, right. from that. But yeah. from, you know, you walk down our, you know, from Fountain Plaza to Seneca One right now, I, I don't know how anyone feels great about our central business district at any point from that walk. Yeah, Right. Um, and that's why what's happened at Seneca One is uh, so exciting. Uh, I, I mean, it that has really just been such a powerful change uh, in the heart of the downtown core. Uh, and you're starting to, you, you do see ripple effects from that, uh, from what's going on in that building. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which begs to once again ask the question. Uh, you know, like when you had talked about some of these commer- conversions, are there still buildings in downtown Buffalo that like could, because I mean, otherwise we're talking about building on these surface lots, which yeah. never seems like it's going to mm-hmm. happen. Yeah. <laughs> so in the meantime, as you had talked about converting some of these, uh, these buildings, um, but what buildings are even really left to convert? Well, it's, it's funny. It's where actually, uh, that's part of the project that um, my sector of downtown 2030 is looking at right now is actually taking a stock of um, every single building within that district, mm. looking at the vacancy and sort of identifying which ones are, are right for conversions and not. Clearly, we don't own a lot of them, so we're not sure what the current status is. Um, but I mean, aim and A's isn't a conversion, but what's I, I know there's there's a plan there, but it's taken a long time <laughs> to, uh, I mean, and that's a really big eyesore in our city. Isn't it? Um, yeah. And just across the way. And you got the mall across the, mall the way. across the way. There's no plan for the mall. It's you know, incredible. What, what's, um, you know, what are we going to do about those two things? And those... You know, I, I, those aren't I, the mall's not a conversion. Um, you know, the, the main place tower is actually pretty full, so you mm-hmm. know you wouldn't you wouldn't look at that for a conversion. But um, A and A's needs to be figured out. I, you know, I, I'm sure there's other some other Class B C product along uh, the CBD that you know if you're you're looking at a fifty to seventy percent vacancy rate, you, you got to make a choice. Yeah. Um, so you know, I can't think of any specific assets out some of the ones we own that we're looking at. But there's got to be some examples out there. I mean, we have a fairly high vacancy rate for you know, Class B and C product throughout Buffalo. Right. And so obviously those are prime examples of like what uh, needs to get converted to residential. Uh, um, are we, are we going to see that? We'll see that if the um, state can, can put aside enough money to make it pencil, which mm-hmm. is still TBD. Yeah. Um, it's going to, you know, these conversions are expensive. Yeah. You know, it's the buildings are built for office it's the mechanical systems the windows i mean it's a whole it, it's a lot of money to convert these buildings and um you know again as i mentioned you're not dealing with the best fun, the, the easiest fundamentals in western new york so without government help 
it can't even get close to getting off the ground. And, you know, I, lot, I know I read a lot of comments in your sector sometime and you're and like, well, a rich developer again, looking for more handouts. It's like at the end of the day, if we built that building without a handout, we would just go out of business. Yeah. <laughs> There's, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't think people understand how thin these deals are. You know, I, I, you know, it's, if you underwrote a deal in 2019 and then you're finishing it in 2022, you're racing to break even at best. So it's, you know, it, these are tough deals. They are thin, one wrong estimate, one way or another, you're underwater. Yeah. Yeah. What are a couple of issues that you would like to see fixed in Buffalo? You know, I think there's some low hanging fruit, so I'll start simple. Um, I'm fairly confident and I've heard this from a few people, so I'm pretty confident that, you know, we're the only city in New York state that doesn't have led streetlights. Um, although the funding was given to us close to a decade ago for those. Even Utica has has these as LED streetlights, and I believe that costs us over a million dollars in savings a year from not installing these yet. And I still haven't been able to figure out the reasoning why. And, and the money's still there. I believe so, from what I've been told. Yeah, um, you know, another thing that that'll irk me. Um, and, and again, this is this goes back to this goes to the question of uh, we said earlier how important density is to the city, but I also often think, are we ready for density? Um, and part of, you know, the simple thing there is we don't even have synchronized streetlights. You know, I'll, I could be down here on a Friday afternoon when the city's absolutely dead and it'll still take me 15 minutes to get down Pearl Street or Delaware or whatever it may be. So what would happen if we actually had real density and traffic with those unsynchronized streetlights? It'd be mayhem. That's true. The reason you get around Manhattan so easily with all of that traffic is because all of the streets, the streetlights are perfectly synchronized. I mean, it's 2024 now. Are we really asking for much in that one? Yeah. yeah. And, and you brought up a good point um, uh, as we were speaking earlier that, you know, a lot of the projects that uh, that we should have been working on, uh, uh, putting shovels in the ground and, and getting the, 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 the plans all straight, and, and uh, this, this should have happened years ago um, when... With an incredibly favorable interest rate and in, in labor environment? Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it's... You know, the majority of our sister cities really took advantage of the era between 2000 and 2019 to improve their CBDs. And you think of Armory Square in Syracuse or what's going on in Milwaukee or Cleveland and so forth. And we didn't utilize that time frame to really improve our CBD much. So it's difficult to envision how we're going to do that now with a shortage in labor and where the where interest rates and so forth are. Um, granted, we're going to put forth our best effort. We're going to try. But it's uh, it's a little disappointing that we didn't see more come out of such a a, a positive economic uh, environment over between two thousand and two thousand nineteen. Yeah, will will what will we see it again in our in our lifetime? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe my lifetime. I don't know about yours. Three yeah. percent uh, <laughs> rates again? I, I don't know. I mean, I I don't I don't know if that's ever happening. But it, it at least can come to a certain point where we can start getting development off the ground again. And and again, I think some uh, creative public policy around that would go a long way because we're going to need it. Yeah. Obviously, you know, a lot of people uh, these days are talking about the east side um, and, and, you know, par- parts of the east side and downtown Buffalo are synonymous. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, what, what are your thoughts on, you know, the east side? I know it's, it's a very sensitive know, uh, yeah. subject. And it, is. and it you, came you know, up a lot during the Bray Miller conversation. Right, exactly, um, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, what I, 
I didn't realize before moving back here is, is how much it didn't seem to me like different sectors of the city were working together. They're almost fighting for against each other for a certain, you know, incentive or grant package and so forth. And that was, that was rather odd to me because we all get the same taxes, right? Like if, if the central business district makes a ton of money, it goes to the east side, right? So that, that part where has always boggled my mind. Yeah, I think back in the days when, you know, we used to play SimCity as a kid mm-hmm. and you used to build the CBD and then everything else naturally used to come out of it and be fruitful and so forth. I mean, there was some economic like reality behind that. Your central business district is your economic engine. The potential real estate tax taxes that come out of your CBD are, you know, we have a study that we look at in, in our group. It's, I don't, I don't want to give a multiple on it, but it's probably times 10 or 20 that you can get anywhere else within the city. So everyone should be rooting for the CBD to be, to be, to have the most success possible because that's the most, the biggest chance to have recurring tax revenue to go to the East side. So they won't need as many handouts. So it's my opinion that we should all be rooting for the central business district because when it, if it ever reaches its potential, it, the trickle down effect is, is more than anything any government handout can ever do. Yeah. So this roundtable group uh, you had mentioned is not uh, primarily developers, um, as I guess I had assumed it was. Mm-hmm. You've aligned yourself with a number of these people uh, on the roundtable group. That are you working with them, um, or is this more uh, uh, kind of like, like 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 thoughtful exchanges of ideas? So you know the, what's great about the group is it's it's primarily consists of. Um, you know, executives from companies that have uh, invested or are headquartered or their futures depended on the the, um, the health of down and the growth of downtown and Buffalo and the central business district. So there, there it's primarily, uh, uh, you know, a wide variation of executives. But what's really interesting is, uh, you know, another um, real estate uh, family, I guess, uh, person that's come back to Buffalo and CJ Montani is another one of the uh, the gentleman that's in the group with me and um you know he's he brings a great perspective growing uh spending his last uh eight or so years in cincinnati and so forth and um you know who would ever thought the simonelli's and montani's are going to come together for greater good but it's a new era it's a new generation and uh i'm looking forward to working with him and putting our minds together and, and really doing some great things for the city and you know it's just funny it's uh you know, you grow up with Uniland Simonelli, but then you, you get to know the Montanis when you move here and you're like, well, you know, we really should put our brains together and, and really do what's best for Buffalo. And it's been pretty cool to work with them so far. Yeah. And, and you know, we, we talked uh, some disparagingly about some issues about Buffalo, but, you know, the, 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 the focus here uh, is to is to is to move the needle. Right. Correct. Yeah. 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 And it's. Again, the the positive thing that we can look at is there's a reason why so many um, people are finally moving home. You know, I don't know that um, my father's generation or your generation can really look around at your friends that left and think they came home. Well, mine are, and and that get, that gives promise because now we've got we've got new new creative forward thinkers that can hopefully effectuate change. And uh, I think we're at the beginning of that process. Yeah, smart. What restaurants are you liking in downtown Buffalo right now? Like where uh, well, do you like to go? So you do live? Do you live downtown? I live in Orchard Park, actually. After, okay. After living in a yeah, and that might seem 
quite hypocritical from what we're talking about right now and I'm talking about I have a 20 minute feed back to OP but you know I lived in a thousand square foot apartment and walked to my office for 15 years when I moved back here I thought you know what I'm, I'm gonna try out some land yeah yeah um, Did you get some land I got some land I'm an acre and a half and I have a 20 minute commute to the city so despite us living in Orchard Park my wife and I and my, and my kids whenever we go to dinner more often than not it's downtown or in somewhere within the city um Tomorrow, my wife and I are going to Anisio, one of our favorite oh, restaurants. Yeah. Great pasta, great fresh pasta. Um, Angeline's been phenomenal as it since it's opened up. Obviously, everyone loves to go to. If Hutch's. you can get in, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, we're big fans of Waxlight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's uh, there's there's Buffalo's got a fantastic restaurant scene. We'll go to JT's for brunch often. Um, Have so, you been to Saint Neary? That I've just been to opened. Saint Neary, yeah. yeah. Good friend Sam Amoya from growing up. You know, came back. Another great instance of someone coming back and and sort of putting there. They're uh, they're giving their skill set to Buffalo, so I'm really really proud of Sam for what he did there. It's a great spot. Wow, they did a such a fantastic job yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's been a great spot, and obviously, the sushi place next door is one of our favorite as well. We we need more sushi places in Western New York. Yeah, is uh, there is there a sushi place in downtown? Not down. Uh, well, no, it's it's a noodle place now over in um, off of Pearl Street. Which oh, right, is, which is also phenomenal. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Spot. But they used to be a good sushi spot. As well. Um, do you go to uh the the bazaar uh downtown? I have not been there yet, but my uh, a lot of my colleagues go on a regular basis, and they they really they love it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, it's exciting to have you back here. Uh, you've been back for how long now? Uh, since the end of nineteen. Since the end of nineteen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, is there any anything any thoughts any other thoughts about downtown or the city of Buffalo or anything that's kind of no I mean I you know you know it's I, again I think the positive thing that we all need to continue to reflect on is the amount of talent that we have in our central business district we have a a two billion dollar. Uh, company that decided to ha- to put their their East Coast headquarters downtown. The, what forty three North doing is extremely rare. The hiring coming out of M and T and all the ingredients are there. Mm-hmm. That's the positive thing. We just need to take those ingredients and make something with them. And that's where I think we're missing. I don't. I don't. I think our 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 development is too spotty. It's not master planned enough. One one development doesn't always um, you know reflect on the next development and so forth. Um, so I, I think our community has to do a better job of master planning um, and, and really putting complementary developments around each other so we can start building the right way. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of uh, the Outer Harbor, what are your thoughts about the Outer Harbor? Uh, do you go to the Outer Harbor? Uh, do you think it should have been developed or uh, in a different way? Or are you liking the direction that it's in, taken? In a different way. It's been outside of a park? Yeah, outside of a park. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I think I think what they've done with the park is is gorgeous. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't I don't think we are in a position yet where you could really support true residential development over there. So I can understand why it yep. hasn't happened. Yeah. 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 Because if it hasn't happened, really, uh, it, it takes so long at the Inner Harbor. Uh, you can't. How do you expect to to take? Well, no. Going back to my point, we we got to focus on an area. Why right. would we go to the Outer Harbor before the Inner Harbor in downtown? Exactly. Like the Outer Harbor should be. You know the the third piece of the puzzle, right? Yeah, and obviously uh, Larkinville is a huge success story. Oh, the Zemskis are phenomenal. Um, you know, it's they they're a, a great example of when you can control a larger area like that and actually master plan mm-hmm. and program on top of it. That's the result of what you get. It's actually a well thought out neighborhood, and each pieces complement each other. 
and I'm a huge fan um, down there. I think they do a phenomenal job. They're great to do business with, and they get it. They get the community aspect of it. Like tenants these days don't just want an office building; they want a community, and you get that in Larkinville. Exactly. And you get that in Seneca One, and you get that in Fountain Plaza. But we need more examples like that. Yeah, I mean everything from the programming once again, the concerts, uh, the. Uh, the pickleball, the yeah. the hula hoops that yeah. are just laying around. Uh, Those uh, are the types of things that are going to attract businesses and, and forward-thinking um, employees to our region. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, we do see uh, a lot of that at Canal Side, too. Uh, but once again, you know, uh, the development down there is uh, is a little slower than uh, I think that uh, most people would have liked to see. Um, so anyways, uh, but uh, once again, uh, it's great to have you here in Buffalo. Um, I'm glad you're working with your dad. He's a great guy. Uh, and I can't wait to see what uh, is new with this new young development group uh, with also these uh, these young uh, leaders uh, who are hopefully going to step it up and, and uh, come up with some solutions and continue to uh, find ways to improve Buffalo. Absolutely. Well, this, this was a lot of fun. I appreciate, you know, appreciate the invite. All right. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks.